Hey friends, welcome to Around the Campfire with Anne and Amy. It's no secret, the best stories have always been shared around campfire. We'll have a conversation with our guests, Campfire Style, leaving you inspired, encouraged, and glad you pulled up a stump to listen in. So grab your favorite campfire beverage, kick back, and relax, and we'll stoke the fire. Studies have shown that serotonin and dopamine are actually released when you're around a dog. Um, It also decreases your blood pressure and it can decrease the um, stress hormone cortisol. So it not only, you know, they help with our physical health, but also our mental health. So it's it's not a coincidence that when these therapy dogs are brought into situations that are high stress, that they actually can have a profound impact on people. Hey, friends. Welcome back to Around the Campfire with Anne and Amy. I'm Amy. And I'm Anne. And today we have with us our most popular guest of all time. This episode was downloaded more than any other. And I think it's mine and Amy's favorite episode as well. 100%. That true. So with us, I have my good friend, Whitney Mouton. And Whitney last talked with us about dogs, what your dog wishes you knew. Whitney is a dog trainer with tons of experience. She has a degree in psychology, what she has been able to seamlessly relate to humans and their dogs. And it's really insightful. And as you know, our series right now is Healthy Minds, Bodies and Spaces. And it may seem like we're like off track with this dog deal, but we're not. We are not off track. No. We are right on track because your dog can help so much with your mental and physical health. Whitney, welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. So good to see you. You too. Oh, and I should say, Whitney and I are in person together today. We are. She's visiting South Carolina. And so we had to take advantage of this. We did. And asked me and I said, absolutely, let's do it. (laughs) everybody loves their dogs so it's it's time to have you back and have part two that's right so Whitney can you lead us off by talking about how can your dog help your mental and physical health absolutely so obviously we know a lot of times um we hear about therapy dogs that are being brought into hospitals and um, medical situations to help patients um but actually I came across this recently that study even did a recent study that Studies have shown that serotonin and dopamine are actually released when you're around a dog. Um, It also decreases your blood pressure and it can decrease the um, stress hormone cortisol. So it not only, you know, they help with our physical health, but also our mental health. So it's it's not a coincidence that when these therapy dogs are brought into situations that are high stress, that they actually can have a profound impact on people. So why do you think that is, Whitney? I just, I find that fascinating. What about a dog makes our bodies react in that way? Do you know? I don't know. You know, I don't really have the medical background to explain it, but I don't know. I know not everyone is wired this way, but I know, especially myself, like I could be in a group setting with a bunch of humans. And if a dog walks in, all my attention turns to that dog because I get just a warm, fuzzy feeling. I also think it goes even deeper, like dogs routinely will come back for love and affection and are so loyal to us, even if we don't, you know, give them that we don't reciprocate those. So like we may not pay attention to them right away. We kind of ignore them, but we are front and center to them. Also, you know, you hear these horrible stories of dogs that have been neglected or abused and they just come back for more attention because they, in a sense, are just so 
forgiving. And oftentimes they just, they give us what we don't deserve in so many situations where they just make us feel center of attention and important. So, well, you know, it's interesting. My son is in college and right before finals, they have therapy dog day. Literally. So they bring in all these dogs, all the students can pet the animals like while they're studying, they're at the library, they're at the commons. It's just so cool how they do that. So, I mean, that just goes right along with what you're saying. I love that. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible physical sensation as well as that warm, fuzzy feeling. It's just, they're incredible, incredible creatures. (laughs) Okay. So I sent Whitney Speaking of warm, fuzzy, my sweet border collie is not always warm and fuzzy. In fact, she's pretty abrasive. (laughs) She does love me. But I sent Whitney this video of Izzy, the border collie, who is eight years old, feeding her. So, Whitney, before you get into the video, just so you know, I had heard right when we got her as a puppy that you're supposed to make them work for their food. So I would make her sit before she ate her food. That worked out perfect. She would sit, then she would eat. Well, then I thought, I'm kind of lazy. Like, I just want her to eat the food. I don't want her to make her sit every time. And so it's like when I quit doing that, she was totally confused and turned into this weird, barking, angry dog when I fed her. (laughs) Okay, so Whitney, tell me about what you thought about the video. So a couple of things that I've taken from it. You had the right idea. So when you do any kind of repetition. So like in that case, like you made her sit each and every time dogs can become dependent on that. So it's optimal if you can mix it up. So for example, sometimes make the dog sit down, sometimes make them lay down, sometimes don't do anything. But if you Uh start with that at the beginning and you mix it up, you can kind of um, eliminate that need for that um, repetition. So she's obviously a very, very smart dog. She got used to that repetition of having to sit. So when that sit went away, it just didn't make sense to her. So if you are, and I am a huge advocate of that, and we can talk more about that in detail, but if you can have your dog do X, Y, Z in order to earn things around the house, it really can help in that leadership realm. However, if you, you need to mix it up. So I just think she's very smart. Now, one of the biggest things with dog training is Often dogs have, you know, a behavior that we want to eliminate. It's not as simple as just getting rid of the the behavior that you don't want. The easiest thing to do is replace the bad behavior with a a behavior that you want. So in her case, so for example, I noticed you put the dog in the, or the dog food in the bowl and she, she kind of like reacts in a sense, like she starts like, okay, can I eat? And then she starts barking a really good way to eliminate the barking is give her a task where it makes it difficult for her to bark. So if she has a, I would practice a a down stay and it's really hard for a dog to bark from a down position. Okay. So kind of take a few steps back, work on a sit and a down and a stay um, obedience lesson, but then introduce the down and then put the food in the bowl and say, okay, and release her from that. But she doesn't get the food until she's quiet. Okay. If she starts barking, then you put her back in that down. But what you're doing is simply just kind of inserting an, a different behavior, which would be the down that can eliminate. It's almost, it's easier to like find that off switch for the barking. Also, when you go routinely back and forth, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like once the food was in the bowl and she'd bark, you'd go back and like point at the food. Yes. 
I, for my observation of just the video is I, I feel like she's getting something from that. It's like an interaction. And so I would put the food down and walk away. So I would make her do the down, make sure she's quiet, then release her to eat the food and then walk away. Because when you're interacting with her, she's getting something from that. It's attention. It's you're talking to her. You're um, not leaving her. So she's barking and it's like she kind of and I didn't get to see the full video, but it looks like does she eventually finish her bowl while you're standing there with her? No, I I walked away and she started eating. So we've done the whole walk away. Then she just bark, 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 barks. So then we go back like, you know, like when you're you have babies and your babies cry when you leave them at first. And then like over time, they learn to like go to sleep. Is it like that? Yep. So her behavior, the barking is actually going to get worse before it gets better. So having said that, you need to leave, go out of the room, go into another part of the house and shut the door and ignore her and prepare. It it could take weeks. It could take (laughs) some time, but she just needs to learn that you're done interacting with her. Okay. That's, it really is like sleep training your child. That is so interesting. Yep. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do that. So this is what's something not this, that's kind of funny. My daughter, only my middle daughter can feed her and she does not bark. And it's the same setup, like with the. Well, yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. She puts the food in, but she like touches the food. Neely, my daughter touches Mm -hmm. the food, which is why I started touching the food. Cause Neely's like, mom, if you touch the food, then she doesn't bark. And so she like touches the food and then pets her. And so then I'd try to like pet her, but that didn't work. It's like what my daughter does. And I don't know if it's because of what my daughter's relationship is with her compared to what mine is with her. Cause I'm more alpha to her, I think, than my daughter, but. Does everybody feed her in the family? Well, yeah, it's just whoever's around. It's usually me. Okay. But sometimes it's someone else. And it's just your daughter that she'll eat. Yeah, that she won't bark. Interesting. It could be. And it's hard to say there's something that your daughter could be with her doing with her body language that Ah. Izzy's picking up on that we don't even know. It could be too. Like if, like, like you said, if you're, if you're more interactive, like in your, in her viewpoint and Izzy's viewpoint, you're like of more importance. That could Mm -hmm. be something like, she's like, I'd rather have attention from mom. Like, you know, daughter's not, it's hard to say like sometimes we don't know, but if you're, um, if you're the main one, you know, and everyone can work with her, you know, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the even if okay. introduce her with having her lay down first. It's hard to say sometimes. Say, is it important to have everyone feed her the same way? Like to have consistency with your dog, no matter who who's interacting? I think the biggest thing is just for simplicity of life. So like if you're running around and you need one of your kids to like quickly feed the dog because you guys are walking out the door together then yeah, absolutely should, you know, everybody should do that. Um, and I'm going to kind of go over some details of like leadership. So absolutely, like, especially when you bring a dog home and you have kids involved, there's ways that you have the kids feed the dog. So that way they're involved and it um, establishes that leadership. So I would say for convenience of life and also that um, establishment of leadership, yes, have everyone that lives in the house feed the dog. All right. Let's talk about leadership because you've got some great tips on how to be a leader for your dog. Yeah, this is really important. Life is a lot easier when you have a dog that respects your leadership. In the past, unfortunately, um, the name of the game was dominance and dominance really is not necessary. So in the past, um, kind of as a background, 
years ago, there was observation in a wolf pack. And I don't know if you've seen this, but when wolves are in a pack and there is a dominant or alpha wolf, wolf, the submissive wolf would roll on their back and show their stomach. And it was a physical um, way to show like respect to the leader. Well, unfortunately, some scientists saw that one time and then inserted that into dog behavior. And so you might have heard of the alpha role. So what a human does is in order, they were told in order to establish dominance was to roll their dog onto their back to tell them that they're the boss. Well, unfortunately, well, first of all, one thing that they missed out is um, that submissive wolf was voluntarily lying on their back. The alpha wolf was not forcing them. So that was actually very inaccurate. And unfortunately, if you as a human do that too, dog, a couple things can happen. You might have a dog that's very submissive anyways, and is now more fearful of the owner, or you do that with the wrong dog who takes that as a threat. And the average person could, you know, mishandle that and they end up getting bit by their dog. So it's unnecessary. It's not scientific, but unfortunately this whole thing took off. That's how you needed to establish dominance. So I always wanted to say, um, I always kind of insert that, that we can be really good leaders for our dogs without actually like being a bully in a nutshell. That's amazing. That's great. So, yeah. And it's just like kids, dogs need boundaries when they don't like oftentimes even as much as a child or a dog doesn't like the boundaries, they need them and it makes living with them a lot easier. So it's just, there's some really easy ways to like earn their respect, um, make them feel secure. Cause when your dog feels secure, they're going to have less behavioral issues. So number one is the leader owns the resources, right? So if you have a dog or a, I'm sorry, a child that can drive and they want to go out on Saturday night with your car and they say, Hey, can I use your car? Yeah, absolutely. But you need to have your homework done. You need to have your room clean and then you can have the car. Same things happen. So you get to like control when, um, your dog gets those resources. So I always tell people like take, make a list of what you would give your dog anyway. So you give them food, you give them water, you give them attention. They can go outside to use the restroom um, even playing and interacting like tug of war or fetch. Um, those are things that they uh, value. Then you can insert certain things um, like obedience, for example, in order to get those resources. So super easy. Okay. You want some water in your bowl. Great. You need to sit down first, make them sit, give them the water, the food. Like we kind of talked about Izzy, make them earn it so they can sit um, I, I love waiting at the back door. That's a really important one. And we can kind of go into this in detail if anyone needs more clarification, but wait is a little different than a stay as far as obedience. And so you just have your dog wait at the door, which means they can't run through the door and they have to be polite. And if they show polite behavior, then they can go outside and go into the backyard. Um, if the dog wants to play fetch, Great. You need to, you know, you can train your dogs like tricks and spins and all kinds of stuff, but they have to do those things in order to give them stuff you're going to give them anyways. And that can be a real time saver too. When people do obedience training, they often think, okay, I got to go out in the backyard and do an hour of like sit and lay down and stay. You don't necessarily need to do that. Dogs learn best in five to 10 minute increments, but throughout the day, you can practice those things. So, you're going to fill up their water bowl. You're going to feed them. You're going to throw the ball for them. Great. Just don't do it until they've done something for you. And that's kind of like a learn to earn program. They're learning things, but they're earning things throughout the program. But because they have to go through you, that makes you the leader. Can I ask you a quick question about that? Yeah, absolutely. So 
So we have like a box with all of her toys. She goes mm-hmm. over and gets a toy whenever she wants. Should we be the keeper of the toys? Yes. That's an excellent question. That's yep. one of the first things Whitney told me when we got our dog. And Whitney, how are we doing with that? Well, there's a lot of toys here. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> it up. It's funny. So I'm visiting, right? And Wrigley and I are buddies. Like, as I said, when I'm in a room full of humans, I tend to be in the corner playing with the dog. But Wrigley and I spent 10 minutes today. He wanted to play tug and he had a particular toy. And so he brought it to me and we would just play tug and he would routinely drop it. And if he wanted it back, I'd make him sit and then I'd throw it for him. But yeah, that's a great point. So if you have special toy, like you, sometimes it's okay to just leave some like medium level um, toys hanging around, but bring out the big, exciting toys that your dog really likes only when you're present and then put them away when you're not interacting with them. Okay. That, that's an excellent question. And it it makes them excited. It keeps them more engaged with those toys. It um, can help burn some of that energy because they're really focused on that toy, but because it's coming through you, that that definitely helps in the leadership scale. Okay. That was an excellent question. Another thing too is it gets, again, unfortunately there's been advice in the past that really doesn't make sense, but some people have been told, don't let your dog go through the doorway until you've gone through or eat your dinner before you feed them. Dogs don't equate that with being the boss. However, you don't want a pushy dog, just like you don't want a kid that walks up to you while you're talking to another adult and interrupts you. You don't want a dog that leans on you or trips you or, you know, leans on you when you're sitting on the couch. So personal boundaries are important. So if you have a dog that like zigzags in front of you or won't move, one of the best things to do, you don't even have to talk to them, but just little steps and just keep moving. So if you have a dog directly in front of you, just take little steps and just keep moving and they will get out of your way. And you can just do that. I've seen this consistently. Um, I remember having a dog that I was around. This dog would come up and like nudge my hand all the time. Like pet me, pet me, pet me. (laughs) And it was very simple. I'm sure it had done it one time. The owner responded and started petting the head and the dog was like, ah, that works. So now I'm going to get pet, for, you know, by doing this behavior. Well, as you know, if you're hanging out a dog, it's annoying. It's rude. It's like, excuse me, pardon me, pardon. And they're tapping you. It's kind of the same <laughs> equivalent. So just ignore the dog. Uh, oftentimes I've seen dogs where even if they're allowed on the couch, which I have no problem with, but if the dog is like leaning on the human or laying across them and it's rude and uncomfortable, just get up. You don't even have to talk to the dog. Just get up and move. I think that's a good point when you have visitors in your home who aren't necessarily dog people and your dog's like, well, surely everyone loves me as much as my owners do. So what's some good, what's a good way you can help your dog behave? Like, let's say when you have guests and they're sitting at the couch and the dog goes up to the guest, like, would you tell your guest what? Depends on the guest. So I always can, you know, judge based on how some dog, dog people, or I'm sorry, some people like dogs like myself. I'm like, I don't care. The dog is like behaving and being, you know, I'm interacting. I don't mind, but there are a lot of people that don't want a dog sitting on their lap. So I always kind of judge on the person's level of comfort. I'm, you know, if I'm not sure I will ask them. I am a huge advocate of just having the dog on a leash. If you have a guest in your home that isn't maybe really comfortable and then that way you can um, use that leash to just calmly keep maybe your dog from that person. Or if the dog is sitting next to that 
person on the couch and is behaving, but then suddenly gets a little too intrusive on personal boundaries, you just go up and calmly take the leash and, you know, lead the dog off of the couch. It's essentially just like with anything else. If, if um, the dog learns to behave and is polite by um, being allowed access around those people, they're going to start repeating that behavior. Oh, if I sit next to the person on the couch without pawing them, I'm allowed to stay. But as soon as I start pawing at the guest, then mom makes me leave the guest. Just kind of consequences of that rude behavior. But I like just having that leash aspect because you're not having to grab the dog's collar and drag them off and all of that. You can just calmly lead them away and it's they can just drag the leash around the house at that point too. Like, you know, it's just kind of like an additional handle, essentially, if you think about it that way. <laughs> Yeah, I think and just, you know, teaching your dog to accept handling, like when they come home, especially as puppies or if you take in a newly adopted dog, don't um, overwhelm them, like sticking your fingers in their ears and putting your fingers in their mouth and toes. Do it in a comfortable way. That's no. right. <laughs> putting your finger in my ear, but rub them, Let, teach them to accept handling and it makes bath time better. It takes, you know, makes grooming better, anything like that. But it also just shows that good things happen when you come around, especially if they start to really like that massage, but it's also teaching them to like accept that handling because you're essentially the boss. Um, but just underlying to be a good leader, you don't have to be a bully. They don't, you don't need to yell at them or physically hurt them or anything to establish that leadership. There's a lot of ways that are really even hands off the dog that reminds them that you are the boss and that good things happen when you're around, but they need to go through you first. I think those are such good reminders because we get into uh, bad habits pretty easily as owners. And I think we underestimate what it's doing to our dog. So last time, one of my favorite things we talked about was like, I'd like to call it things your dog doesn't think. (laughs) (laughs) Things your dog is incapable of thinking. So let's talk about just emotions and dogs and you know, like we have, Amy has talked about before, like her dog needs so much activity when she can't give it the activity. She feels really guilty. Like the dog is guilting her. Like what kind of behaviors or emotions, sorry, uh, like that can your dog have and not have like what comes to mind? So we kind of touched about touched on this in the first podcast, but studies have shown that when they do brain scans on dogs, their prefrontal cortex is not as developed as humans. So they're not able to really essentially go like back in time, forward in time and plan and plot and seek revenge. Um, (laughs) And so that we need to kind of keep in mind when we're going through these things. So oftentimes, like, for example, I'm thinking of a border collie like you have who needs attention. A lot of times it's just like if they're not getting the exercise that they need, whether it's physical or mental stimulation, like and then suddenly, you know, you're noticing these bad behaviors. Why did my dog suddenly rip up the carpet or why did my dog, you know, find my shoe and rip it up? A lot of it is just they have the excessive energy and they need to get it out somehow. Border collies are bred to uh, their herding dogs. They run for hours and hours and hours. If they're not getting that outlet, it's going to show up in another way. But then unfortunately, if someone is like comes home and they, you know, I'm just really tired after work and the dog ends up shredding their shoes, the owner takes it as revenge. That dog just chewed up my shoes because I didn't take them out when in fact the dog is just trying to get the energy out and they can get frustrated just like we can as far as that physical buildup. It's like they need to release it in some way. 
and a lot of it, it's just repetition. If the dog has learned that something has worked, um, I think of a, a situation, this dog was urinating on a, a on a bed, which is so gross. <laughs> and the owner was like, yeah. And I, if memory serves me right, I think they had gotten like another animal of some sort, like maybe a cat or a younger dog. And suddenly this other dog was urinating on their bed. And it was like, yep, that dog was just upset that we had brought this other animal home. And when in fact the dog had been excited and happened to jump on the bed and had to go to the bathroom and it just went because it out of excitement. Well, what people don't realize, like from a dog's viewpoint, going to the restroom, you feel better instantly, right? You ever had to go to the bathroom so bad and you pee and you're like, oh, that was like the sweetest relief. It can happen to a dog. And they're like, oh, I felt better. And then it just, unfortunately, a bad habit has been created in the sense like, oh, if I have to go to the bathroom, I can conveniently just go right there and get instant relief. And then have to wait. Exactly. I don't have to wait. I don't have to go to the door. I don't have to go out into the cold, you know, cold backyard. I can just pee on mom and dad's bed. The dog's not doing it out of revenge. It was just an instant consequence and relief. And so that behavior has been born. So in that case, you know, you have to go back to square one. Like, don't let the dog near the bed unless you're actually watching them. And because every time the dog has access and goes back to that bed and, you know, has that accident, it's one more time that it's reinforced. It's working for them. Man, that is such good insight. I feel like, I mean, I feel like every dog owner can think of something that their dog has done, like that has made the dog happy mm -hmm. that they think they're making, they're like out to get them, but they're really just happy. (laughs) Yeah. I think the, the part that I'm going to hold on to is like, they're in the present, like they're not in the past. They're not planning for the future. They are existing in the right now. And I think that Mm -hmm. will help maybe like put a filter over if they're, you know, they're feeling this or they want you to feel that or. Right. So I can get rule. Yep. Oh, there we go. The three second rule. Listeners of that one. So if a dog has done something, whether you want to reinforce it or correct it, if they did something wrong, if three seconds has passed, it's too late because by that point they've done something else. And then, so for example, we kind of touched on this, if you're potty training a puppy and they go in the backyard and go potty and you want to give them a little cookie for a a reward, you have to pop that in their mouth, like right as they're finishing going potty, not when they come in. Cause then you're rewarding the coming in part because they've already forgotten. They went to the bathroom. They can't go back in time and go, Oh yeah, I did that five minutes ago. <laughs> so good. Yeah. That is so good. I agree. Okay. So as a dog trainer, I know that you have some crazy stories because let's be honest. The reason why funniest home videos was a great show is because everyone liked what the animals did because they're funny. So what are some great dog stories that you have either witnessed or heard. So years ago, we used to foster dogs and we owned our own dogs. We were, this was pre-children, but we were those funny, nutty people who would have four to five dogs at a time. And we had a setup where the dogs were relatively trustworthy. So they were not in kennels, but we would put them in our kitchen behind a baby gate. Um, and the, I think at that point we had four, we, we had three and we were fostering. I remember this dog. He was so funny. He'd come in and he was just a medium sized black lab mix of some sort, but he was very destructive if we'd left him alone too long. And so we made sure the kitchen was cleaned out and, you know, he had his furry friends in there and he'd been great. We'd, we'd been fostering him a couple of weeks and we came home one day and we'd had a table that held wine 
And we happened to have one bottle of like port wine that someone had given us. And we came home and that dog, I still to this day don't know how he did it, got the cork out of it and all the port wine was gone. And all the dogs must have just shared a glass. Like, I don't know what happened. It was were gone. They, so were they all passed? Yeah. Were they all passed out? No, they were fine. They were just like, just enough to kind of relax. <laughs> I cannot help but think, you know, that famous painting of the dogs playing poker and drinking. It's like, but your dogs were more sophisticated. Right. They had wine, That's good right. port wine. That's no a beer for us. They're playing bunco, I bet. That's probably <laughs> having wine. Agreed. Agreed. They slept good that night. <laughs> oh man, I've never heard anything like that. That's a yeah. good one. So that was the first one. And then I've heard I've heard a couple stories. And in fact, we were told at one point that um oftentimes when a dog goes into a vet like emergency care usually because they've stopped eating and have having trouble going to the bathroom they've probably eaten something something's obstructed obstructed in their like intestines we i remember at one point i'd been told that they stopped telling people what the dog had eaten and i figured out why but we, i have my sister-in-law was a vet tech for many years one night a guy and a, his wife came in with their dog and the dog had stopped eating and they ended up having to do emergency surgery and they pulled out a bra. But the problem was when they presented the bra to this couple, it was not the wife's bra. So <laughs> World War III started in the exam room with the dog because the dog had eaten something. So you, eat don't, yeah. you don't think the dog wanted revenge on the <laughs> husband, <laughs> right? Not, that's right. He was bored and he found a stretchy piece of lazy, wiry material. So funny. <laughs> oh, man. So if you're having an affair, make sure you clean up after yourself. Because it'll tattle on you. dog will tell. That's right. <laughs> so funny. Oh, that's a good one. I feel like on that note, we might just need to end it right there. What do you totally. Think? totally. <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, Whitney, we have so enjoyed having you back. I almost feel like we could have a part three. I mean, I know we could. Because... I think we need Whitney Mouton on every season. <laughs> that's a, that's a great idea. We'll just Let work her in to whatever series we have going on, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a room for dogs at any season of life or any topic. <laughs> That is so true. So I think our takeaway is if you want a healthy body and mind, you need to get a dog. That's what right. Do that's right. Get a dog. And if you can't, like volunteer at your local shelter. You can go and walk them and give them care or become a dog sitter. I have, I know people personally, like they, their work and lifestyle, like doesn't allow them for to own a dog, but they get their dog fixed by helping other people's dogs. And they still get the, the feel good feelings from being around those dogs. So oh, I love it. That is a great idea. Great yeah. idea. Okay. Whitney, it's been amazing. Whitney, thank you so much for your time today. I just love how we live with these dogs and yet sometimes we know so little about them. So I love that you can help us understand our dogs better and just it makes it better for the dog and for us. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you yes. so much for having me. I love it. All right. <laughs> so we'll catch Whitney next season and then Ann and I will catch everybody else next time. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. We hope you learned something about our guest and maybe even about yourself. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to make sure you don't miss our next Campfire Chat, please hit the subscribe button. Or even better, we'd love for you to drop a review to help others find a place around the campfire. Thanks so much. Until next time. <laughs>